Hello everyone and welcome to the new podcast What Comes Next in cooperation with TTA Trama Tecnoambiental. You are going to listen to the adventures of 10 Inno Energy Master students fostering energy access in Africa. Our focus is understanding and preparing for what happens after rural communities finally have electricity. That is, what comes next? Welcome again. My name is Luca and I'm here with Bea, Felipe, Rose and Anita. This is our first episode. We are going to interview Eduardo Bono, the founder of an organization working in Madagascar for sanitation and water access called H4O, which means Help for Optimism. Eduardo, first of all, thank you for joining us and for your time. But first, can you tell us a bit about your story and about the story of H4O? It's something that started when you were still studying, right? Yes, when I was studying at Polytechnic of Turin, I was studying industrial engineering. And I, at the end of my bachelor, I've done the dissertation was about a sanitation program. So because in 2011, I arrived for two, just for tourism in Madagascar. And then I just uh, fell in love with uh, nature, uh, people. And, uh, uh, but at the beginning, I just uh, as a normal tourist uh, with my family. And so then I bumped into some of the main uh, problems and issues of those countries. Like, for example, the lack of yeah, water. So clean water and sanitation facilities. So I went back to Madagascar again and again during the years, so from 2011. And in 2014, I was doing my dissertation exactly related to one of the first projects that was a sanitation one. So to build the private sanitation facilities for each house. So it's not only about giving access to sanitation like public toilets, but it's more broad and comprehensive approach. I would like to explain that all because I would say that the, the strength of our approach and uh, the fact that our project, uh, I mean, the success, let's say, of our project, because we are pretty proud and happy about what, uh, how the, the work is going on, is a comprehensive approach. We believe that a comprehensive approach is developing all the areas based on human rights. And then after your little inputs, Luca, in, uh, with the, your messages, uh, you told me that you are doing sort of research about what are the, let's say, the determinants of the first drivers in which electricity might change exactly. uh, the life of people. Yes, like the, the main aspects which can be improved or changed by electricity, because maybe like we all think that if you've never been there, Maybe it's difficult to understand what actually changes people's life there. Absolutely. Yeah, well, it's for me, it's really something that every day, I, especially when I'm there, I have some insights and input and uh, the, the possibility of, of thinking about all these sort of things. My mind sometimes, especially at night, is not that clear. And so I sometimes I just go take my, my way and going on, but I try to step back on the history of H4O. So sanitation program, dissertation of my bachelor in, um, let's say, industrial engineering. Then 
I wanted to implement the project of my dissertation right after uh, my graduation. So just three or four days after my graduation, I went to Madagascar in order to implement uh, what uh, I was studying for during six months. And so to implement the project. So we, we first built uh, 10 uh, sanitation facilities, private sanitation facilities. The other part of the comprehensive approach is about not only giving the facility, but uh, there is a part of a big part of training. First of all, of assessing the, the needs of uh, people, which uh, for water or sanitation, it's pretty easy because everyone needs water and uh, everyone knows what water is for. But uh, Eduardo, you said you're not only working with water, right? Yes because we are also uh, we are currently doing a project now with uh, about electricity and it's with uh, the ASP Alta Scuola Politecnica yes which is uh, okay you know so with, with the Polytechnic of Turin and of Milan actually in this moment we are assessing what is this uh, project for so while for water it's so easy to understand the the importance of it for electricity it's not even possible to ask, for example. We were uh, evaluating the part of doing a survey, maybe with local people, but I would not suggest any survey. That's what I said, because actually we are doing this project in the villages where I've worked in the last three years. So I'm, uh, let's say, the only one who knows that context. And so now we are, uh, there are uh, three teachers, three professors of Polytechnic, there is an architect as well, and then there are five uh, students and four external tutors, and I am one, uh, one of the four. Those villages where I've been so far, and so I can assess uh, better than the others, uh, the, the people, uh, context, uh, inhabitants, and the needs. So, again, I've taken another path, but I wanted to, to close the, the first part of the... <laughs> The history. I have well, one question, perhaps won't help you. <laughs> yeah. But just, just uh, you said in the beginning that you take this compre more comprehensive approach. Do you mean that uh, those three pillars, uh, like your website says, like health, competences and sustainability? Yes, exactly. Uh, we have done a lot of different things. Uh, and so also the pillars and the vision change mm -hmm. have, been, have been adjusted uh, uh, mm -hmm. a bit. But of those three pillars uh, are again there, for example, about yeah, competencies. So to train local people in order to being able to replicate the project. So for example, about sanitation one, sanitation, we only buy one raw material, which is the cement, and then uh, producing concrete, we can, and uh, through fiberglass mold, we replicate in series all the components of the toilet. So we're talking about the panels of the pit, we're talking about the squat toilet, uh, the sink, uh, the bricks, uh, and so we can. We just need to buy 12 or 13 bags of 50 kilos of uh, concrete, and then uh, that's all. Because uh, in each village we implement the project, we train local people in order to being able from the concrete uh, to produce all the components of the toilet. So it minimizes obviously both the risks and costs. And so one toilet, everything included with labor, transport, logistics, and everything is uh, around 160 US dollars. So it's really cheap and uh, easy to, to, to use and 
to replicate. Then the other, the next year, we started with another project uh, that uh, has been have been implemented with uh, the Faculty of Pharmacy in here in Turin. It was about uh, to create a toothpaste and disinfectant soap. That's because mainly there were no toothpaste, uh, uh, local toothpaste in the whole Madagascar, so it was uh, on, only imported by Indonesia or India. But all these sort of products uh, are really uh, not coming from Madagascar itself, uh, but are imported mainly from uh, Asia or something else from Europe, but obviously depends. Okay. And uh, so we started with uh, this uh, project. So we train uh, another five uh, or six uh, local uh, women because the other pillar that is not uh, within the, the three pillars of before is about the women empowerment. So because of the dynamics of societies in Madagascar and maybe also in other part of uh, sub-Saharan Africa, women are charged with all the unpaid work within the family and household collecting water, for example, but they don't have any economic independence. So what we want to do is to create social enterprises. And the aim of social enterprises is to have some profit, actually. And the profit is entirely reinvested in the other wash interventions. So that's the idea. Obviously, once uh, raw materials and salaries uh, uh, have been paid. Obviously, the logic that we paid salaries and wages for local people is give them the salary of middle-income country rather than a low-income country. The whole uh, aim of the project is to develop their standard of life. Obviously, it's not only one indicator, the money, because another aim of our organization is also to try to switch to different kind of indicators rather than uh, the Western Western country indicators, but obviously with more money, you are able to do more things. For example, my best friend in there, which is also the chief of the building side. At the beginning, when we met, he had only a roof over the bed. So he was open defecating and he was collecting water far from his house. The kitchen was inside, so with all the problems linked with indoor pollution and stuff. And they were eating on the floor outside. Then we put the bathroom. Then from the bathroom, they've done another sort of veranda from the bathroom to the house. And then they put the kitchen outside of the house. And then they cover with walls the new veranda. It was throughout the year, so since 2014 till 2019. Then they, so they had a new room. They bought a table. So they were not uh, eating all of them from one big uh, dish, but each one of them has its own uh, plate to eat, sit uh, on a table. So it was more, uh, let's say, social interaction while they were uh, eating rather than uh, to eat as, as fast as they can uh, in order to get uh, the most rice uh, they could. So, I mean, it's, uh, that's what I mean about comprehensive approach, because uh, exactly, we really want to develop both domestic space and human dynamics, obviously based on what they need or based on human rights that are not syndicable. So starting from the, from the toilet, you, you were able to build like a new way of, of living for this community in particular. 
yeah, we are working uh, in different communities, in different islands, in the same area of Madagascar. So are mainly islands and villages on the sea, are mainly fishermen. And yes, and then we started with water supplies. So again, uh, with local people, we just give them the competencies uh, and uh, what they need uh, to build that. We train them, uh, we bring uh, only concrete uh, and pipes and all, for all the rest of materials, uh, we just need to find them uh, on site. So stones uh, or wood uh, to do the, the building sites and all these sort of things. So we want to take the local materials and get the most uh, out of it to try to create profit in order to make them uh, economically independent and sustainable and uh, start with uh, human rights uh, and so give uh, f- uh, facilities in order to guarantee human rights. Then our impact is really, I mean, it's not small uh, actually, but in terms of beneficiaries, we prefer to operate in uh, micro villages so from 300 to 700 people. So very, very small villages, but in a comprehensive way, as I've said. Now we are currently doing another project it's about uh, uh, wash food and nutrition. So in an island where there is no there are no vegetables, we're going to create some um, bee or tree uh, families uh, uh, gardens, vegetable gardens. And so it's with other five uh, entities and uh, everyone has its own uh, duties within the project. But the aim is to improve the dietary diversity for local inhabitants and to do both uh, hardware and software interventions to uh, provide facilities and also software interventions with, with soft skills. So in order to uh, raise awareness about certain you know, uh, determinants of health uh, or uh, this sort of things. You, you were saying that like a second goal or, or a complementary goal to, to the water and hygiene would be more related to nutrition. And I think it relates it's too, It's very close to water uh, issues. I just wanted to, to ask you if, if you, I don't know, maybe for any of those projects that you have been talking to us about, you have experienced any demand for electricity, as you were saying, not at all, but perhaps for some of your goals, if you had electricity it would be better or, or how does it work? Yeah, well, so electricity, the, the good thing uh, of the project that we are implementing is that we are discovering things uh, throughout the years. So, for example, about the uh, social enterprise of toothpaste in 2018, we switched from manual production to power production. So we put two kilowatts of energy and so now we have machines recharge both uh, mobile phones uh, and whatever there is always light and uh, so we let's say we discover uh, electricity in 2018 about the sol- the the, um, the social enterprise of uh, toothpaste while uh, <clears throat> in 2019 so just uh, last it's not last year but the last uh, time we went uh, we went there and i spent uh, eight months there because uh, yeah i mean in normal years i spent between six and eight months there so the last year, in 2019, uh, we brought a um, full power generator with a concrete mix. <clears throat> and so we, instead of doing the concrete uh, by hand, which is pretty tough, uh, we had uh, electricity again and machines. Then uh, in this island, 
we actually installed the first 220 volt, uh, 220 volt uh, lamp. Uh, mm -hmm. Because we, when we were working there, we were settled in the little uh, hospital, let's say dispensary, and we have upgraded it. So when we usually when we go in a village, we start uh, to do uh, water projects in that island, but uh, related to other projects. For example, last year we've done a school uh, the, because it was there were no schools yet. The year before, we have done the upgrade of the healthcare facility. So we've done, for example, smooth floors. We put, we have done three beds with, because there were no beds. And then we put, we installed the first solar panel, just 100 watt to power uh, my laptop to do all the, the, the reports. And uh, uh, for three uh, lamps within the hospital and one lamp outside the hospital. And uh, so as well, again, uh, instead of um, candles, and uh, little low quality uh, solar panel uh, 12 volt there was something more reliable in terms of that uh, very very uh, nice and stimulating questions about uh, what is needed why electricity is needed in my opinion electricity is needed for uh, human rights so for example uh, the last year when i was doing the water supply there I brought with me some lamps with a big battery and then uh, yeah, power banks uh, and stuff. So why we were using uh, electricity and lights? So we we're talking about mainly about uh, lights so to lead places. So the first one that was the most uh, important for me, it was that as we built uh, the school, uh, only the first, the second, the third uh, classes, so for children, parents were not used to be parents of pupils, of students. So it was difficult also from my position to say that uh, school is nice and school is important because uh, children obviously they still need to do all the daily duty that they have within the family. For example, to go to bring some wood for the fire or to, go to get some, to collect some water to uh, get some fishes to, to eat and all these sort of things. And it's not possible to say to parents, okay, they won't be useful for the household anymore because they're just uh, learning at school. I mean, it's a really a second or third uh, step. So they were studying actually after the dinner. So already the, the sunset is around between 5.30 and 6.30 at night and so after dinner pupils were studying and doing homeworks while parents were just relaxing at, after the day of uh, working so for example electricity and illumination after the sunset is key for education and as education is uh, one human right i would say that for sure it's uh, a key intervention the other way that they were enjoying uh, power and electricity was for uh, parties, for example. So music, light uh, and all these sort of things. Uh, we were doing uh, sort of the best parties that they ever done at night. At night, because usually they were... Social interaction. Exactly. Social interaction. That, and it can bring pros and cons, obviously. <laughs> so, for example, uh, we've... We put um, a fridge for vaccines, 
so in order to to maintain the cold chain but uh, i mean it's mainly for beers within the healthcare facility so something that needs to be assessed properly and uh, then it's good that uh, if they have vaccines and they have also fresh beers uh, i mean it's okay the other thing that we are talking about now with the energy teams of the ASP is uh, about uh, pumping water. So for our projects about water, probably we will pump some water for the irrigation vegetable gardens. And so electricity might have a very big role, huge role within it, because without electricity, we cannot pump water. The other thing, uh, okay, it's about safety. So another human rights is safety. Over there, the rhythm of life is the rhythm of the sun, because then there is no electricity. So giving electricity, we are also changing the natural way of the human being, let's say. And so, for example, after the sunset, people just go to sleep now but mm -hmm. they want a light of a candle of a, a kerosene lamp or something like that to have some light for safety reasons so to protect themselves from animals or from uh, monsters or from ghosts or whatever yes. and so safety again is something that is key and we need to guarantee safety to people Another thing that is linked to the electricity, I brought there uh, on that island a little projector with battery. And <clears throat> none of them, especially the children, they've never seen before just a representation of an image that is not the, the reality. So it's an incredible thing to see children and also older people look at the what's the name, cartoons or documentaries, obviously I, I needed to do some selection for what to, to, to show them, so not uh, War uh, or Rambo or something like that, uh, although, although that's what they wanted to see actually, they wanted to watch only war films and movies of uh, whatever, but we only saw a cartoon for children and uh, uh, documentaries, natural documentaries about the rest of the world, animals or uh, landscapes and these sort of things. But like after these, these basic needs, like what do you think once people start having all these things in their, in their lives, what can be the next thing they will need? For example, a, a better hospital with more, uh, with electricity for powering more tools. So for example, I read uh, that, that sometimes in some places there is a problem because children cannot born in the night because there is no light. So, for example, this like the presence of a light in a hospital would completely change or like uh, not having a, a working phone can be a problem because this way they cannot call a doctor because maybe some communities, I guess they don't have a doctor. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, you think. If you have just chosen the, the two perfect examples that uh, I have actually experienced 
The first time we put a solar panel in a healthcare facility, it was in 2017, because we were building uh, sanitation facilities for school, genders uh, separated, sanitation facilities for a school and for a hospital. Uh, <clears throat> hospital, I mean, when I talk about, when I'm talking about hospital, I really am talking about uh, rooms uh, yes. that uh, have been allocated as hospital, and then we've tried to improve them but however yes when we were building the one of the health facility two women during that week delivered after the sunset so the the scene i was not inside because i'm a man but the scene was uh, the nurse with a torch in her mouth and uh, the women delivering a baby so I just bumped into that experience and I realized that it was, I mean, it's not, uh, it's not possible. And with few hundreds of euro, you could have uh, help for the future, this sort of situation. So <clears throat> we just uh, installed, yeah, I think again, 100 watt solar panel to guarantee 24 seven light within the healthcare facility. And it changed, radically changed everything, both the, the, the I mean, the, the way of uh, delivering the mind uh, of a person who goes uh, there without uh, light or with light. Uh, the nurse, obviously, as well, uh, she's more quiet and happy to, to work uh, in that place, sort of thing. About the, the um, uh, mobile phone, for example, mobile phones in that island, there is not network. So there's still no mobile phones, which is again something crazy because last year I spent, uh, I mean, it's not even possible right now in, for us to experience those, uh, those things. And there, I mean, yeah, for two months I was without network. So there was only one place over uh, a hill that with the low tide could have seen the signal from an antenna on the main island. And so, but it was really randomly sometimes it was taking something but not access to internet or to the email or to uh, download pictures and stuff only text message on whatsapp so <clears throat> so they don't have a mobile phone at all obviously mm. to have a mobile phone it means to connect to be connected so it's so important as well it's so a uh, revolution but I would say that, for example, one very big improvement for that island would be to have access to a network to call if there is a big problem of, uh, I mean, health uh, situation. People over there are really are still dying. Uh, uh, like, uh, I mean, that's the, the worst experience probably to try to get used to see people dying for maybe no reasons or or stupid reasons and also there the other thing in terms of uh, let's say economic and financial sustainability is uh, that is better rather than to build a big hospital it's better to pay for a boat that goes there and go back to the main hospital Yes, so sorry guys, I like to explain to talk and then if you're also interested, I'm very happy to say my experience and things. I don't know if I catch up what you wanted to hear 
And if you have other questions or whatever, just uh, feel free to ask because I'm more than happy to talk. May I ask about like how how do you maintain the self-sufficiency of the system, especially from the finance side? Like, for example, for maintenance, maybe you also need to allocate costs, and perhaps it might not be as very cheap as well, especially for the people who are also still like you just using basic needs. So how do you balance all those? Yeah. So sustainability mainly in terms of uh, economic sustainability. So I I have a background uh, that every time I have, I'm designing a project, I want to assess the part of economic sustainability because uh, I really feel that uh, international cooperation <clears throat> a lot of times is based on aid rather than uh, to reach uh, uh, economic sustainability. So just to give facilities without both competence for ordinary and extraordinary maintenance without giving the competencies and without giving a model to be financially sustainable it doesn't work in the long term. So it's not development from my point of view. So that's only to say that uh, your question is very appropriate in my opinion. And what we're trying to talk about in terms of uh, indicator as well uh, is not about uh, look at the money that our intervention will produce but instead to the costs avoided and the value of the outcome of the project. So we don't only need to evaluate investment in what we are doing, whether electricity or water or sanitation or whatever, in terms of the money we will have back, but in terms of the cost avoided and the value that we are giving. So. To give electricity, it means to give access to education that has an incredible value in the long term. To give electricity, it means to avoid some deaths, for example. If we give clean water to a family, we won't have any money back from them. However, if for example, uh, the, the, the father who is a fisherman. Usually in those countries, in Madagascar, for example, there was 30% of prevalence of diarrheal diseases or fecal diseases. It means that one out of three people has diarrhea. If a father has diarrhea, he cannot go to fish the next day. Usually diarrhea without uh, medicines, without drugs, uh, can last uh, up to 10 days or two weeks if it's not treated. People cannot go to work, so the diet passes from fish and rice to only rice because they don't have the time to go to fish. So it lasts even more. So the, actually the monetary and the economic impact of providing water is not about the tap and about drink water from the cup, but all the cost avoided 
and all the losses revenue. So it's wider and it, we need to put inside a lot of different dynamics and a lot of different variables. And at the end, we have the value of what we are doing in terms of economic sustainability. I love the one indicator, which is called daily, D-A-L-Y. And it's disability adjusted life year. This is an indicator that for me is very, very, maybe because of my uh, managerial mindset a bit. This is a very nice indicator, in my opinion, because it talks mainly about health. So it can be used for water, for example. Let's say in Madagascar, there's 64 life expectancy, 64 years old. So a man who died of 62 years old, his, uh, let's say, potential is two years. Mm-hmm. If uh, a young guy of uh, six years old die, we can uh, estimate that uh, his potential is uh, 64 minus 5. So is uh, 59 years of potential loss. So this indicator gives us, uh, in terms of economic uh, impact that it has to have dirty water, then we can evaluate it both in terms of life expectancy, but also in terms of year, single year. So for example, if in one year, one man has two times diarrhea for two weeks, for example, we can say, okay, 14 days out of 3656, this is the, the same ratio of uh, the life uh, life expectancy. And so we can understand based on how much money they are able to produce for one day. Usually the average wage is less than 1.90 US dollar per day. This is the average wage in Madagascar. And Madagascar is below the extreme poverty wage. And so 1.9 dollars times 14, for example, mm. which is an inc- a very huge portion of the salary. Uh, there are other implications because if you're not able to take the fish, also your family won't eat any fish, but they will eat only rice. So that's to say that this really needs to be considered under a lot of different uh, variables and they don't uh, consist only in uh, look at the money. But the last thing I want to say is that we introduced a tariff for the water through willingness to pay survey. Willingness to pay surveys are really asking people what is the value that they give to the resource that they have, the new facility that they have. Uh, What we wanted to achieve by doing that is mainly the ordinary maintenance for the facilities. If uh, there are some uh, works uh, that need to be done with concrete uh, or to change the taps uh, or these sort of things, they are able to do that uh, by themselves. And this is uh, so important for us because, for example, during this year, I'm not there, uh, but people are still uh, using the water facilities and they are changing taps. And they decided how much they wanted to pay. 
but it was not myself going there and say, okay, I will give you these services and then you will pay uh, per month uh, this amount. Because otherwise they say, well, why I need to, to pay them this amount of money, this bill? But they were those who were choosing the tariffs. And then we have created community management committees. This is the name. These community management committees are part of our projects, especially for the management of natural resources. It means that uh, people selected within the communities are the responsible of the natural resources. So usually the teacher, for example, is the one who gathers all the data and collects all the data, who pays or who didn't pay yet the, the tariff. Or otherwise, the the builders, the masons that we train in the villages that are usually three. So in each village, we leave someone that uh, is able to do the maintenance. And those three people are paid. So they receive a salary during the project. All the rest of the village, each one of them has his own, his or her uh, duties, but uh, they are voluntary. I think it was very good to hear from you, all your experience. We could navigate and understand different aspects of many projects. It's, it's amazing how, how we were making it happen. Because what I got here is that uh, most of us, or our group, we have this kind of intention or this idea. And you're putting things to work, like uh, you're, you're moving on implementing the, the concept and feeling the, the consequence or the results. Really making it happen. Yeah, make it happen. So this is amazing to discuss and to learn from you. This was very good. I appreciate your time sharing. <laughs> well, it's, it's passion. It's passion. So yeah, totally, totally passion. Like it's, it's clearly a passion. And um, like, again, thank you so much for your help during this, this conversation. I'm, I'm, I'm very, very pleased. And any, any time you, you want, uh, I'm happy to, to share. Yeah, Amazing. very good talking to you, Eduardo. It was, I think the main point here was that it was very inspiring for inspiring. us. Yeah. So thank you very much again. No, thank you guys. Thanks a lot.